This is a podcast. We talk about running. We talk about other things too. So please come and join us. We hope you enjoy this. This is on the back foot. Hello. There's plenty to get through on this spine special episode. That's right, we're having a little look at the spine race that will be taking part this weekend. Uh, I was on the lookout for a guest going into the new year and a few people suggested Jenny Stevens of Dark Peak Fellrunners. So we have an interview with Jenny who will be taking uh, part in the race at the weekend. We have a race report. We have a bit more learning Cumbrian. I'm going to kick off things with the training diary section on the Bobfoot that I'm sure you are hanging off the edge of your seat listening to. So what better way to start than January the 1st? I had a day of rest. Um, I travelled back from Devon and didn't get a run in which is a great way to start the new year, but um, not one to be uh, too put off by that sort of thing, really. I do like the new year for the, you know, renewed look and the renewed focus, and, you know, I think there's a bit of reflection that goes on, lovely stuff, but, um, yeah, I don't hold too dear to, oh, God, I started with a rest day, that's a bad start to the whole thing. Actually, it was really good for me. Because, um, you know, woke up, resting heart rate was lower than normal. So I was so rested that I am... Um, and I had a really long sleep as well on, on the Tuesday. But uh, yeah, I put in a fairly decent session on the Monsal Trail. I went off way too hard on the first rep and struggled for the uh, other reps. Um, I think I was a bit underfueled, but uh, it's in the bank, it's there. I managed to get to the gym that evening and did some, yeah, I'm, I was pleased with that. Um, and I had a curry for dinner, so it's, it's it has been a good start to the new year. Daniel Howarth and Abby Pierce met me on Wednesday. Uh, we went to Daniel's. Uh, home, his stomping ground, his uh, training parlour, or whatever he likes to call it. I don't know if parlour's the right word. Um, and we visited Black Rocks, just uh, down near Matlock there. Uh, just really stunning, actually. One of the rocks looks like a dinosaur's head. Um, really cool place. Lovely running there. Um bit slippy on the uh, way down, not for me, but uh, somebody else um, might have hit the deck but uh, yeah, that was a really good day out with a couple of good mates uh, went for a little tea and cake afterwards <laughs> this is a good start to the year isn't it, now you're on board Thursday I, uh, I went for my morning run with Josh and Rob uh, Josh is always in a rush to get to work because he's got a proper job um, therefore we meet quite early I'm always in a rush because um, I'm a faffer and I was late so I said can I park down the bottom of um, Bamford and I will meet you guys en route so they ran an hour and I ran 50 minutes because 
I was a slacker. Um, but I do think I was generally a bit tired this first week, so all in all, pleased to get the run in, nice to see the guys, and you might be hearing a little bit more from Rob later in this episode. Friday, got a double in, managed to uh, also fit in the interview with Jenny, um, and that second run was a bit late in the day for me, but uh, 40 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes in the morning with none other than Bart Shaw, who I will be going head-to-head with at the end of the month at Tigger Tour. So it was nice to meet up with my good friend and old foe um, for a run in the dark that was exceedingly technical over Burbage Edge, uh, Burbage Moor, up Tigger Tour. But yeah, it was really nice. That It was a great way to start my Friday. Um, and I've think this is a great interview you'll be getting later and yeah I did just a nice normal flat run that evening because Saturday was Monsell Trail Park Run and I arrived I uh god I, I took it like a dress rehearsal you know I got up early I had a good breakfast I I got there on time, which was an absolute shock for me with Parkrun. Um, I was there at like 10 past 8 um, and warming up at 20 past. And it was a thorough warm-up. Um, the, ra- the race itself, because it is a race, not a run. The race itself actually went pretty well. Uh, I saw the fantastically mulleted, mustachioed Harry Holmes. Um, so I knew I probably wouldn't be winning Bakewell Parkrun. But it was lovely to be finding myself on his shoulder for much of the first mile. Um, Some great words from someone I look up to in the running world. I won't name him uh, just yet, but uh, the phrase, keep it in your pants, um, I repeated as I thought, well, actually I could go quicker on this first mile, but I feel like I'll probably regret it. So I stayed on Harry's shoulder and kept it in my pants and... uh, on the turnaround, um, he ushered me to move ahead as it became quite single file. We were on uh, some quite local turf for me, so I think Harry was impressed by the amount of uh, wishes of, you know, go on, uh, I received. Um, but just to show who was the uh, real man on, on campus, he, uh, he left me at that Bakewell station, and that is a part of the course. And he, ran away into the distance uh, there were some very rare birds um, on the course and there were a lot of twitchers and uh, Harry showed the way uh, he didn't run straight through their photography, he ran around the back and I duly followed uh, following him home for a 17 minute 25 park run which I thought was not a bad little marker for the start of the year um, great to find out Harry was just uh, running a session afterwards when I was giving him the race of my life um, but yeah really enjoyed it, beautiful day uh, did some bodyweight exercises in the gym later that day just a, just a real, yeah, it's a really solid week isn't it, I'm pleased with this I haven't even given you my numbers, I've covered 53 miles, an elevation of 6,200 feet 1,913 metres of ascent and I was on my feet for 8 hours and 8 minutes despite that day off, not bad eh because Sunday 
I have a friend who lives in Haversidge named Damien Thacker and he is organising a new race that he hopes to be uh, up and running in 2025. He's calling that the Haversidge Hibernator and we did a little run of the course. Um, if you need more information on this, I will post it on the On The Back Foot Facebook. Um, really great route and uh, it was probably a little bit harder than I would have liked for a uh, easy Sunday run but uh, hopefully my body won't crumble to dust and I will be running as normal tomorrow because uh, I'm recording this Sunday evening because I'm, I'm ahead of the game um, yeah so happy with the week uh, we plod on ever nearer to the Bob Graham goal what would I say I would say sometimes you just got to take a rest day that will be my uh, little uh, learning thing um, it was scheduled I didn't ask permission from coach I just put on my big boy pants and said I ain't going to go for a run today because I've driven for four and a half five hours um, socialising felt more important um, and I was just tired and that was reflected in I didn't get out of bed till nine the next day and was a bit slack on my session I was a bit off the pace too so yeah I think sometimes you might have to just ignore the schedule sorry Bill um, but I don't think he minds and uh, take a little bit of rest talking of rest um, that can be a very important part on the spine race I say that as someone who has a zero experience of the spine but I have watched a documentary on Amazon uh, my level of intrigue in the race uh, goes as far as having stood in Edale and looked at the sign that says Penan Way and thought wouldn't that be a lovely thing to do um, all in one go <laughs> not in January though <laughs> trying to do it over seven days sounds horrendous um but yeah people do uh do this for fun some people do it competitively um i think the documentary that i watched was really interesting uh it is it almost feels a bit of a venture away from fell running you know it's not so much how quickly can you get up and down that hill or up and down those few hills and uh, and back to the start um it is a big old adventure. It's a big old A to B that, um, you know, a lot of it will be hiked, but um, there will be some running at the top end and, and throughout the field, I'm sure. Um, it's pretty, I think you've got to be made of some pretty stern stuff to get through it. Uh, my friend Jamie Rutherford, who you'll know from this podcast, he does some photography for the Spine Race and He's told me some stories that piqued my interest in it. It sounds like um, it's a really great crew who support the race. It's quite impressive, um, you know, a kind of operation that it is. Um, I do think it costs a fair bit to run the race. Um, but it, it definitely is something that I do think is a curiosity and uh, something that's interesting. I want to probably watch my words here don't want to offend anybody but um and some people might not be interested in the spine but i had the pleasure of meeting jenny stevens she was a real great person to chat to um and i think she shed a little bit of light on you know what there is to enjoy about these things so 
let's get straight to that interview and then we can have some of the other special features coming up later. Well, uh, hello everyone. I'm sat here with Jenny Stevens. She's very kindly let me visit her at her home in Sheffield. Um, funny for me because I used to live down the road when I was a student. So uh, just walked past my old university house, which looks a bit different. Everybody's in the lounge on their laptops, uh, not sat in front of a TV or with a, a big beer can robot like we had. Um, and we were just discussing that we've kind of met each other at a couple of fell races around. We were notably, we think we were both at Tideswell fell race yeah. last year. Did you come first lady at that one? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I might have won my category or something. Okay. Yeah. I always have a feeling, I think at the Totley races you've been doing quite well. And normally you do okay over the shorter distances. Um, and you'd recently done something a bit crazy and a bit long with a few friends of mine, uh, Colin Osborne, Tom Beaumont and Ben Moon, who you'd done the longest line. Could you start by telling us a little bit about what you got up to that weekend? Yeah, so well, <laughs> this all started when um, actually I was waiting to catch a bus out um, out to the peak to, to do a bit of adventuring myself and got a, a call from or a text from Colin. Yeah asking about bus services because I am that person who goes everywhere on a bus and um, yeah I asked him what he was doing so he told me and I said okay that sounds like the kind of thing I do you know is it a solo thing or you're up for company and um, so yeah I can't quite remember the longest line was a documentary done by a couple in Scotland wasn't it and mm-hmm. it was the longest line possible to travel between roads in the UK is that yeah. right and uh, Colin wanted to do a Peak District one, uh, so he'd worked out a, a route which was approximately thirteen miles. Yeah, and um, yeah, there was four of us uh, crazy enough to uh, to sign up to it, and uh, yeah, I think we all enjoyed it more than we were expecting to. Okay, um, it was pretty much because the weather was grim. Yeah, um, it was cold and damp, but we had the rain and wind behind us. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been type two fun had it been in the other direction, but we all agreed <laughs> this was type one fun for most of the way. And uh, yeah, so I mean that's a really good place to start because I've just watched the spine documentary on Amazon, and I'm kind of trying to figure out what the allure or the attraction is to a race like the spine. So what was enjoyable about doing the longest line in uh, in the Peak District? What did you, what was the, the fun part of that? Like, talk maybe a little bit about the experience. Well, it's just something different, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I love adventure. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm not the sort of person who do things again and again. So, uh, yeah, I like to do something different. And I like to do something a bit tough that takes you out of your comfort zone and... Yeah, this was a bit of a, a one-off. Yeah, um, something to talk about. It's just life experience, uh-huh. isn't it? Um, not following a path. Um, a day out. It's it's. Um, I like long days out in the countryside. Okay. And, uh, it was good to to chat with those three guys and get to know them a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And we, with it being a straight line, was there quite a lot of sort of hopping fences and. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, yeah, there were no paths. So 
I've got my um, fancy Garmin handheld GPS mm-hmm. device now because it's on the mandatory kit list for the spine. Yeah. So, so I was pretty much glued to that the whole way. Okay. I think there was some doubt amongst the guys that we were actually heading in a straight line. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I could sense it all the way. Um, That's a bit of pressure, really, isn't it? It was a bit of pressure. Yeah. yeah. You're all right with that. I mean, they were quite um, polite <laughs> about it, but I could definitely sense it. So uh, when we downloaded it or uploaded it to Strava after the event, like it was like, oh, it's a straight line. <laughs> yes, I told you. But actually, um, it doesn't seem like you're going in a straight line, you know, because you're up and down and you know, pulling okay. yourself out of bogs and crossing streams and going up yeah. levels and climbing over fences, like you said. And um, it, yeah, as soon as you set off going again, it doesn't feel like you, you're going in the same direction. How serious were you? Did you walk in single file? Uh, no. <laughs> no, we, we, we weren't quite that serious. <laughs> I've seen it on Strava. It's a very straight line. So I think uh, that was achieved. And I know that Colin had had a message from someone saying, did you use a map and compass for uh, that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, electronic device, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. I don't think it would have been quite as straight with a map and compass. Were we out for about four or five hours with that one? I think it, potentially mm-hmm. five or six, maybe. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Would you class that as a longer day for you? Have you been in preparation for the spine? Have you been doing some really long days or do you tend to keep it? Yeah, I mean, I did a few weeks ago. I did mm-hmm. um, an overnight. So this was just, um, so I've done overnights before. Yeah. This was a, a kit, a full kit t- a check. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, so I went from Thursk to Scarborough, and that was a set off at two in the afternoon. Oh, wow. Got in about 10 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, slow, it's spine pace, what I call spine pace. Okay. So, yeah, about three miles an hour. Okay. Um, really hard going. So, what's that involved? Does that mean you're more hiking all the ups, jogging the downs? Yeah, so on that, on that particular yeah. one, I did jog. Um, quite a bit of the first half, so the first mm-hmm. 33 miles, it was 65 miles all in all. Okay. Um, just because, you know, the terrain was, was favourable. Yeah. I was on a, I mean, I, it was pitch black. Yeah. I have no idea what it looked like, but I know I was on um, something called the Farndale Railway, I think. Oh, okay. On the North Yorkshire Moors. Um, I'd love to go back there in daylight and see what it looks like. <laughs> um, but that was, was, was pretty good track. And uh, I was jogging away. When I came out of the pub halfway, um, I started going across the moors and it was just bog, about 20 miles of bog. Wow. It was hell. <laughs> you know, I could barely walk, let alone run. Yeah. Um, and I think with the spine... For 20 miles? For 20 miles. No, it was, it was awful. How long would that section take you? Um, I, I don't know how long. I wasn't really... <laughs> yeah, I was just... You don't have any kind of out... There's no get yeah, okay. out, is that you've just got to keep going. So you just keep going. <laughs> don't think about how long it's taking. I do remember though, because I was starting to fall asleep. And uh, as I was coming towards the coast, I was getting really, really tired on my feet. Mm. And um, I got I got down to this, I was, went down to this gully and I saw this rock and I thought, I'm just going to have a little nap here. Yeah. Um, so I sat down on this rock and I looked at my watch and it was 5.55am. Uh-huh. Um, I, oh, I just put my head in my hands, nodded off to sleep. <laughs> Then my alarm went off on the phone. So yeah. I looked at it, of course it was six o'clock because my alarm always goes off at six o'clock in the morning. To get yourself up to your <laughs> to training. Get myself up, so. <laughs> so I was like, right, okay, and off I went again. <laughs> New day. And it did actually work. And I yeah. know maybe my body clock was, I was mm. in my normal waking time. 
but I, I got to the coast and, and it changed from like the moorland bog to um, it was a coastal path yeah uh, Cleveland Way and it's you know that sticky mud like a well dog walked track yeah and every mile was like a day you know and and this was so this whole route was a quarter of what I'll be doing in the spine mm-hmm. and my spine isn't at running pace. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've read and watched and listened to everything I can mm. about the spine. And I know that, you know, I think it was last year they were moving at, you know, one and a half miles an hour was the average moving wow. pace on the last section. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm moving a little bit quicker in the first half mm-hmm. because there is uh, pressure to get to um, checkpoint two. Yeah. For, um, so you're not sleeping during the day. Okay, that's um, is it Hebden Bridge, the first one? Yeah, that's right, yes. And then the second one is? Um, 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 Hawes. Yes. Yes, yeah, so I want to get to Hawes in the middle of the night, Uh huh. so I sleep during yeah. the night, I can use daylight, because obviously we haven't got much daylight as it is. Yeah, okay. So I, I don't want to be missing it, but, you know, if I'm too slow, then so be it. But that is, there are lots of motivations, really, with the plan that I've done to kind of move, mm. stick where I can um, to my pace, but... I do enough expeditions to know that plans don't generally don't go. go to plan. <laughs> They're just there to make you feel prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much in just that little story alone. So I'd probably go backwards because we can talk about how you're approaching the spine and planning for that. Mm-hmm. I'm quite interested in how <laughs> you problem solve your way through or talk your way through 20 miles of bog. like, And also... You were saying about public transport. Uh-huh. So was this a, a solo thing that you were doing? It sounds yeah. like it was. Yeah. So you took and you were headed for, remind me again, you went to Scarborough from? From Thirsk. From Thirsk. So you yeah. took the train up to Thirsk? Well, I was planning on taking the train. <laughs> yeah. And of course we had a train strike. So I have a car. So <laughs> I'm quite good with public transport. And, um, yeah. And I do like... Um, taking myself off to places yeah. I like having adventures so you know I love the Peak District but yeah. I like to go to other places as well um, <laughs> so yeah it's normal for me to get you know a couple of buses and a train and, and have a three mile walk before I think that's what I did before the Ring of Fire in Anglesey this year actually <laughs> the I had to get the, the train over <laughs> and then a stay over and then another train and then a three mile walk to the start of the race <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I um, I ended up getting a bus to York yeah because that train was kind of sorry emission carry on <laughs> and then I got a um, a train to Thirsk and yeah. walked to Scarborough and then uh, a bit of a long story but I got a lift back from Scarborough because I got a relative stay so what's more of an adventure UK public transport or the actual challenges you're doing I mean yeah I, I, could, I could completely admit all the running and walking and just travel around the country on bus really it's only two times at the moment so. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so we're back. We're back in the bog overnight, yeah. and and you, like you say, you know, there's no way out. So you've obviously got like quite deep into this bog, and you're mm-hmm. saying, "Well, I'm confident this is the right route." Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm confident it's the right yeah. route. So you never know what's ahead. Okay. There's a lot of swearing going on. <laughs> I do talk to myself quite a lot on these I, overnights. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds sort of sensible in this 
fitting of the situation, yeah. yeah? Yeah. I mean, there is only me to talk to, and the odd grouse that you can walk across. I mean, there's nothing else out there. And it was funny actually this night because there was no moon; it was just pitch black. It was I was lucky; it was really calm. But um, for half the night, it was foggy. Well, you know what it's like using a head torch in the fog; you can't see anything. No. So it's just like going along in this little tunnel of light, and every now and again, it was actually Ben who, who told me. His friend had told him that, um, like the mountain hares, they they kind of lie in wait, so they hide. So really? I don't know if you've been out running in the peak. I've only seen a few up over on Bleaklow, but yeah, it was so special. Yeah, so I don't know if you've, you've suddenly like, almost tripped over one. Oh, no, not like that, no. Yeah, so it yeah. happens quite often, apparently. I can't remember all the details, but uh-huh. they kind of they hide. So yeah. I, I've tripped over one maybe about three times. <laughs> it was the same that night. I'd be walking along, and uh, all of a sudden there'd be this little ball just looking at me you know how your head torch reflects in the eye and I'm like oh Oh god (laughs) feeling quite apologetic for the poor thing because it was supposed to be there and I wasn't and and then it you know we'd both look at each other and then it'd scurry away so you know that that was happening um and then you know at one at one point I'd be going along a path that was obviously supposed to be a path that was actually a stream at Mm -hmm. the time um and then I'd go into bog and then you kind of think you know when the path changes something's going to get better Something so get better. at yeah. the point when I'm going through 20 miles I, I didn't know that it was going to be 20 miles so you've yeah. always got that hope that any any section any any at any point now you're going to be on the Farndale rail when you're jogging yeah, yeah. again but that that didn't happen yeah it, it only really got got worse wow but, uh, yeah um <laughs> I don't know I don't know what so talking to yourself <laughs> <laughs> apologising to mountain hares, <laughs> a bit of swearing, <laughs> yeah. making sure you're eating enough. Um, what was I eating? I'm quite good with eating. Yeah. Yeah, I always keep myself fed. Um, the only time I really had any problems were when I did the Felsman earlier this year. Uh-huh. And I just got that nausea that I know is quite common with a lot of people. Yeah. And I got that after 20 miles. It didn't go away for the rest oh. of the, So, you know, it was, it was awful. Was that because different kind of food that you're having? What would you have on, like, this your big bog adventure that you had to, bog from Thursk? <laughs> I was introduced to crystallised ginger as a good um, uh-huh. ultra-running food. Okay. Um, and that... Um, Deals with the nausea. Okay. And also provides a lot of energy. Yeah. So I was having a bit of ginger. I don't know what else I took with me. I think I made something. I Don't honestly, say, honestly yeah. can't remember. You, yeah. Um, Is it more homemade food than like gels and things? Or I like both? to. Yeah. yeah. I like to, to go natural where I can. Yeah. Um, it's the same with... Because um, I always used to... And then I used to have electrolytes. Okay. Um, and I learned this year that actually... They're necessary. Yeah. Fortunately, learn in time for uh, <laughs> a big race in September. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking electrolytes mm. spine with me. But I used to be like, oh, no, I do all of this, you know... Fancy stuff. Gels and stuff. It's just yeah. not, not necessary. But And then it just depends on time, doesn't it? But I take nuts and seeds and raisins yeah. and... and okay. Haribo's tangfastics, everyone eats them. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I always think that. I think, like, you know... How much better are gels and time fastics? Is it marketing? Is it mm-hmm. is it like we're paying those more? So yeah, no, I, I know a lot of people find it interesting because we do a little sec- section called munching on the moors, and that seems to get a little bit of people talking about what they eat. Um, 
Yeah, okay. So you kind of got through that section. Then you had the bit where you had a little sleep and got woke up by your morning alarm. And then are you feeling from this little adventure, are you feeling, okay, things are going well? I'm getting myself... Do you feel like you do feel you've had a good year building up to the spine? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything's gone right this year. Great. Um yeah, so I had three things planned this year before the spine. Mm-hmm. One was the Felsman, yeah. which was back at the end of April. Uh-huh. Um I had a hiking trip to Slovenia. Oh nice, yeah. In July. And then I did the Ring of Fire Ultra in September. Yeah. Um when I decided that I was going to try and enter the spine, mm-hmm. I suddenly thought, well, that's brilliant because I've got these three big things, so I'm going yeah. to be ultra-trained and prepared yeah. for January. Um, so, yeah, then I did get in the spine. Um, and, and, yeah, the Felsman went well. The Felsman remains the hardest thing I've ever done. Okay. Um, yeah. Slovenia was incredible, but it wrecked my knees. Oh, really? Um, I was doing so much ascent and descent. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of off for about six weeks after that. Oh, no. um, almost off. You know, I wasn't injured. Yeah. I couldn't really do much, um, yeah. which worried me a little bit because I had uh, Ring of Fire at the beginning of September. Yeah. Ring of Fire went better than I could ever have imagined. Yeah, did you win the... I came second, second lady. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but I've never done anything like that before. A yeah. multi-stage race. I was talking to... Do you know Nick Burns? Um, no, I don't know. Runners. Sat with him the other day, and um, yeah, I was asking him if he knew of any more sort of similar multi-stage mm. races in the UK because I really yeah. liked that format. Yeah, you know where you get to sleep. Yeah, uh, without the clock ticking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at night time nice. and, and set off the next day, and that gave me a, a ton of confidence because yeah. I, I did a lot of running. Um, it was very runnable, mm-hmm. uh, and I know it's you know that the, the weather was you know, in the high 20s and, you know, the, the terrain was very runnable. I mean, it couldn't be less like the spine. Yeah. But still it gave me a lot of confidence that I perhaps wasn't the outsider I maybe would have been before. Yeah. But then that Kitchak route um, that I did not long ago, that knocked my confidence a little bit cause, just because it was so awful. I mean, all the kit was great, um, but it kind of reminded me just what I met myself in for because the terrain was so hard. It was so grim. And the weather was actually great. The um, you know the weather that night it was a clear night apart from the fog um, yeah. it was mild and it wasn't windy but it had been so wet leading up to it that underfoot it was just, just hellish and um, yeah so after that I kind of thought I think it was positive in the way that it's kind of brought me back down and made me realise just what a massive undertaking the spine is rather than going in oh yeah I was second in the ring of fire I'm going to breathe I'm going to breathe this yeah yeah Yeah. so I think it was it was positive in that way do you think because you've got a bigger goal like the spine in mind that that then helps you because you can reframe something that sounds sorry but it does sound pretty terrible that like (laughs) some of that (laughs) you can reframe that as well actually yeah this is this is getting me prepped this is getting me this is building the the bricks I need for when I come to do something that because it's not going to be a day in the park is it the spine it's going to be a bit of an all like a bit of an ordeal really isn't it yeah (laughs) no it is and and everything I've done really over the past few years has always been kind of a step up, a step mm. up, a step up. So I think, 
you know, it's not just my running, because let's face it, I mean, the spine is not a running race. It might be for people like Damien Hall and, yeah. and Jasmine. Um, for me, mortals like myself, it's not a running race. We're going to be walking most of the time. Um, everything I've been doing, including my expeditions, my hiking expeditions yeah. and stuff, has, has kind of have led me to the spine. And, and you know, I, I didn't qualify automatically for the spine because up until that point, uh, up until I'd done the Ring of Fire, I hadn't done an 80-mile ultramarathon, yeah. okay. which is what you need to have done to uh-huh. automatically qualify. Um, but I think in a way, and obviously you go to manual vetting, you, um, so you, you get like 150 characters to prove to the race director that you've got the experience. Yeah. 150 characters isn't a lot. Not a lot, no. Yeah. It took me, it took me weeks to perfect that. To, to it's nail all it. in code, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Text talk <laughs> from the 90s. Like. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they probably don't read it like, yeah, she's paying or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think because of my expeditions, you learn a lot more when you're out there on your own, mm. um, you know, up mountains or, you know, in, in remote areas in Scotland. Um, because when you have a problem, there's only you to get you out of that. Whereas maybe if you're running an 80-mile ultramarathon, you've got a checkpoint every 10 miles and yeah. people handing you things. Um, so I think I've got a lot of experience to draw on. I, I don't mm. feel nervous that's great. About the race, I feel nervous about. I was telling you before, but nervous about getting ill before the yeah. race. Yeah. Um, and I think usually when I'm on the start line to an ultra, I don't feel any fear or nerves. If I'm on the start line at an eight mile fell race, I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I always feel good afterwards, but yeah. there's, there's kind of no pressure. You just. It's like, right, this is what you've been training for. Off you go, see what you can do. Mm, okay. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the week on Sunday. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, me and, I mentioned him again, Colin, we've had a little thing. We've been to, like, wave the spine off a couple of times because uh-huh. it's it's not far to Edel. Oh, we felt like a pair of, um, can I say, twats because we <laughs> we were then doing our run, but we were going up Jacob's Ladder and all these, all these people are heading off to like go all the way to Kirk Getton <laughs> and we're like going for our jog and people are going oh you're moving well we're like can you not see that we haven't got huge packs yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know um, but yeah it's a it's a great thing to to sort of witness the start of and then if like that documentary I watched you could see it the first time there was something like 15 or maybe even less you know doing it and it's it's growing and it's growing mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a, it's really fun interviewing you because it's like it looks like something I don't really think I'd want to do myself, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a curiosity about like why someone might want to do it or you know what the appeal is and what the attraction is. It's a little bit beyond fell running in one way, isn't it? But then fell yeah. runners do do it, like you say, the very front end of the race will be running mm-hmm. on fells so it sort of is fell running but at the same time it feels like it's something a little bit different as well with the sleep deprivation the, yeah. all these things that obviously you've been in a way looking forward to and preparing yourself for don't know how you can prepare for the sleep deprivation <laughs> that was one thing I learned on that first to Scarborough because I've done a few overnights before mm. um, by myself 
and I've never been falling asleep on my feet before, but for some mm. reason on that one, I was. Yeah. I think it was, I, I don't know if it was, usually I'd set off in the morning yeah. on one of my overnights, and I, for this one I set off at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Um, because I didn't want to arrive in Scarborough in the middle of the night, and I don't know if it was for that reason that I went yeah. sort of through my whole sleep cycle. Um, but that experience of, I've read about the spine before, and people say, oh, they keep start falling asleep on their feet, and I've been like, that won't happen to me. It's never <laughs> happened to me before. But now I know it happens. Yeah. And um, there's this guy, Stephen Brown. I think it's Stephen Brown. You know, he's he's done uh, quite a few. Um, okay. Podcasts with John Kinnaston, who okay. I found out the other day apparently died recently. So oh, he no. they did the Dragon's Back together. Yeah. Um, he has finished the spine five times, and yeah. he has done a series of podcasts um, focusing on different aspects of uh, preparation each time. So, uh, oh, brilliant sleep strategy, uh, yeah. checkpoint admin, um, kit. And yeah. You know they're really really useful for somebody like. Do you have me. to carry a dipper? <laughs> a dibba? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I forget them all the time at fell races. No, 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 we just uh, we have a tracker attached to us. But um, yeah, so he was talking about um, sleep strategy, and obviously we all need to and want to sleep at checkpoints, but yeah. we might not necessarily be able to. So it doesn't matter, like on my plan, so you will sleep for four hours at this checkpoint. Yeah. Might not be able to, you know, there's probably a lot of snoring going on. There's people coming in and out. Yeah. I can imagine alarms going off all over the place, people crying, whatever. <laughs> and um, so let's say I can't sleep at a checkpoint, I'm more likely to be falling asleep on my feet, which I now know is, is a thing. And um, <laughs> he was saying, yeah, he carries a ground sheet. And um, he just says, you know, he put that ground sheet down and just sleep anywhere. And he says, if you need to sleep, you'll sleep. You yeah. 10 minutes it'll keep you going for another two or three hours. Yeah. And now I know I've had that feeling that, you know, when I was going towards the coast, it was the ground was absolutely sodden and I kept looking for places where I could just have a little lie down, but there wasn't anywhere because it was too wet. Yeah. Well, I've grabbed my ground sheet from a little solo tent, 200 grams or something, I'm taking that with me. So I'll keep that available so I can just... You know, even if it's snowing, just chuck it on the ground, have 10 minutes, tell Siri to wake me up, <laughs> and um, and off I go. So I feel that that's a good bit of preparation. I feel a little bit more equipped. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, read, I listened to this other um, podcast, you know, something on YouTube, about <laughs> this man and woman, husband and wife team that have done it. Because there's a lot out there about the elite athletes. Yes. It's interesting to listen, but we're yeah. not like them. You know, we're, we're never going to be like them, so it's a good listening to how normal people yeah. have approached it. I think her husband finished, but she had to drop out at checkpoint three because she kept sleepwalking. She almost slept walked off a cliff. Oh, so wow. either she had to decide or she was told it was too dangerous to continue. Right. So that's your race over and all that preparation. And this, if you sleepwalk off a cliff, it's more than your race because over. You, because you can't sleep. Yeah. So I feel now better prepared. <laughs> yeah. Well, that reminded me when you, the ground sheet and you were saying about the elites. I mean, I think John Kelly's a bit of a hero, and I was reading something about him, and it might have been at, at Barclay or somewhere. He was lying face down in the mud, having a sleep, and he woke up and saw an old friend from school or something who right. was just out, <laughs> like oh. walking the woods. I hope that's I've got the right person, the right story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> I, I, it means bells. Yeah, it definitely means bells. <laughs> the same thing or listen to this it might have been on the podcast yeah Yeah. 
And you definitely, um, yeah, well, I'm pleased you've done your homework in, in terms of research, then you've done it in terms of practical getting yourself out there and getting ready. You've obviously had some really good races. Have you done any of the spine challenges or the summer ones or any? Brilliant. So you're just in for no. the... Oh, I love it. For me, the spine is, is, the, is the spine. It's the full in winter. winter, the spine. There's Rest. plenty of other things to do if, um, if I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of thinking if, if I do... If I do this and finish it, maybe I'll give the summer one a go. Yeah, it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I shouldn't put it down because um, it's, it's, I mean, I know this year it was just so hot and it's a different experience. Yeah. Um, But that, yeah, definitely comes secondary to the winter. Um, I I don't, I think if you can go 108 miles, you can go 268 miles. Yeah. If you can get that far in those conditions, you may as well do the whole thing, is, yeah. is what I think. Yeah, so, fair enough. Yeah. And you wanted to, like you say, and the, so you really think that the golden one out of them is the winter one. So yeah. is that because of the level of the challenge? Is yeah. this a little bit about seeing if there is a limit for you of what you can and cannot do? Absolutely, it, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. all about, okay, what's going to really challenge me and, and how far can I go and can I actually do this? And then, of course, if you if you manage it then that feeling you get at the end is just incredible that's what it's all about yeah i mean people won't want to see it but your face is lighting up Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i guess that's it and it's like um it looks more like i don't know if you'd call it an adventure race but it sounds like it is Mm -hmm. like a, a true adventure you know i was looking at i think they'd said something like it they did a race before the organisers did a race in the North Pole or something like that. So, you know, those are the kind of... It's like expeditions. It's like yeah. exploring. The map of the Earth is kind of finished now, isn't it? We're not going to stumble across a new country. Yeah. But I guess what you're trying to do is explore what you can you can possibly push yourself to or achieve, like, in yeah. that sense of, you know, this is your way of adventuring and going, all right, Oh, there's, there's what? How many? What? Five, six variations of the spine. I'll take the uh, the hardest one, please. In winter, it's personal challenge, yeah. And you know, you you talk about exploring. It's not about exploring the landscape because most of it I won't be able to see anyway. It's like you know, what does the Farndale Railway look like? (laughs) Yeah, it'd be nice to go back and do it in summer. So that, oh, this, (laughs) (laughs) this is what it looks like because I've been as far as just past Hawes. And then I went up um, to the Crossfell area yeah. around Dufton, did a bit of wrecking there, but I've never been further north. Yeah. I've never been up on the Chivia, and I hope that <laughs> I will be up there soon. Um, when you go for a curry, do you have to have the hottest thing on the menu? or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is, this is purely um, safe for oh, the outdoors. It's all the outdoors. Yeah. So how did that kind of start for you? When did you... When did you begin, like, if we're going, you know, next week you'll line up on the start of the spine, uh-huh. when did you first put your trail shoes or your hiking boots on? What, what, how did you get into all of this? If I go way back... Yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't forgotten. <laughs> when I was... Um, 
always um, so I grew up in the countryside. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a bit of a country bumpkin, yeah. a little bit um, socially useless for that reason. Um, <laughs> and um, I had a pony when I was thirteen. Yeah. Um, all my friends had one, and uh, I wanted one. I lived next to a farm, and yeah. I offered to kind of help on on the farm in order to keep my pony there. And um, she wasn't. She, I think she was an ex milk cart pony. Okay. She wasn't very well trained, and uh, I think she she made me because my friends had these well trained, well schooled ponies that just camped around these <laughs> rings and you know do all these clear rounds, and I'd be on. You know, my horse would be going backwards, um, <laughs> but I made her do. I was so determined to make yeah. her do what my friends were doing. Uh, so I think that's where a lot of the t- determination came from. Um, but then um, I've always loved maps. My yep. grandpa, um, who's, who's, who's dead now, um, but he always loved maps. He was a geographer, geologist. And um, so I had an OS map with my pony, and I had a friend who lived eight miles north on another farm, and we used to meet halfway, and he used to plan routes. Oh, brilliant. On an actual paper map. You know, this is in the olden days. So where is this in This was in East Yorkshire. Okay. Around sort of Driftfield, Beverly. So I'm from Beverly originally. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where all the route planning started because I love maps and I love planning routes yeah. what I do um, and then you know my mum and dad were always they were big walkers and we always used to go yeah. to mostly to the Orchard Dales sometimes to the lakes I mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in the Dales learned the uh, the pleasures of pub walks and how it's really important to incorporate a pub into every walk <laughs> and um, yeah then yeah became a teenager and then all of that disappeared Um until later on um, yeah but yeah I've always been a bit adventurous so moved to Iceland um, then I moved to Mongolia lived both of those countries for several years and um, came back from Mongolia with, with two kids um, okay. on my own wow and it was when they grew up yeah and they're now you know teenagers um, and somebody had said oh you should try running yeah and um I'd kind of been like 100% mum for, for 10 years. And oh, wow. My eldest okay. went to secondary school. Yeah. And it gave me a little bit of freedom to sort of get out of the house. Uh-huh. I'd been keeping fit. I had a, a static bike. I used to do like heart rate zone training on my bike and stuff. Yeah. And I got out and did coach to 5K. And, um, what year was that? Can you remember? 2018. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. brilliant. Five, five years ago. And yeah. then um, I finished up, well, quickly mm-hmm. and um did chef 10k in september 18 yeah. that was my first 10k yeah and it was incredible and you, then you I were jumped. like road running <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was a road runner yeah, yeah, yeah. i did yeah like um i joined the striders and um i did some of the 5k what are they called you know there's 5k relays or no no further afield oh. like a Birkenhead and Leeds. Okay, and yeah. Sort of, I can't remember what they're Yeah. And then um, got into fell running in June. So I got a little bit interested in that. And I yeah. said, do Grindleford. It's, it's yeah. a great first race. So yeah. I did that and kind of never looked back. Yeah. And, um, and then I just started choosing more difficult races. Uh-huh. And got into the longer stuff and the gnarly okay. stuff. Because I loved the way it made me feel when I finished just I was so proud of myself 
Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you did that. That's amazing. Let's do something hard <laughs> so you can feel even better about yourself. So, And then, you know, I always keep planning routes and taking myself off places and looking for the next race and the next adventure. And yeah. just, I'm not sure what's going to happen after the spine. I, mean, I guess it has to stop somewhere. For, not stop, but stop going up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to just go, okay, I've, yeah, I've gone as far as I'd like, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you sound like you'll probably want some more races that are in stages. So if anyone listening knows a great race that happens in stages where Jenny can have a sleep, please contact the <laughs> podcast and I can forward it on to Jenny. Um, I'm sure people will be looking at how you get on because, I mean, that's the fun thing. The other thing that I find interesting about these races is, is dot watching is actually really nice. Mm-hmm. And I think they're clever in a way. I mean, it's not like it's cynical, that might be. But, um, you know, it's not like they're saying, oh, this is how we're going to build this race and get... But actually, you know, things like the spine are quite good for the outsiders looking in because yeah. probably better in a way because we're just like, you know, oh, all right, where are they now? And then we go to work and then, like... Oh, I'm on my lunch break. I'll have a look. How's Jenny now? I wonder if she's got to Hedton Bridge or if she's got to the next place. Yeah. And you're just in it. And like, uh, for, you know, some people out there for, well, how long do you have an idea how long it might take you? When you get seven days, so 168 hours. Yeah. Um, my plan um, is to do it in six days. So I've given myself like a day's buffer. You know, my plan is not to be competitive because I won't be. My plan is realistic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, <laughs> you're right. I mean, the dot watching is brilliant. There, there was this great comment on them. So there's like a, a spine uh, Facebook group for, for competitors. Yeah. And some people have been posting recently, um, starting to get nervous if you've got any advice and, yeah. you know, help calm my nerves. And somebody put this brilliant response, which was, um, I'm nervous and I'm not even racing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'll be dot watching. He just said... Be the best dot you can be. <laughs> and remember that hundreds of people will be egging you on at home. And I just thought Aww. that is so brilliant. I'm going to be the best dot I can be. <laughs> yeah. There was a lad from <laughs> a lad from Totley who did it, the summer one. And he was in, he in the top ten. Um, a young lad called Alex. Oh. You might not know him because he's been away for the last year or so. He's travelling around Canada and then he hiked the PC. I hope I'm getting that right. The PCT, yeah. so Pacific Crest. Coast Crest Trail. Yeah. And, yeah, it was really nice because I'd known him. He used to work in um, Front Runner, which is now my race kit. Yeah. And he was doing it and we were, like, commenting on. And I spoke to him after and he said, oh, you know, because he could somehow got received some of the comments somehow. I guess he could log in at some of the places on his phone or whatever. And he said he yeah, found yeah. it really motivating yeah. and, and, and really nice. So It is. Know. Those comments are just... Yeah, I mean, I've had them, you know, on other races and they mean so much. Just to know that somebody's actually interested yeah. in yeah. what you're doing, it's yeah. just so nice, yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure you, yeah, I'm sure you'll go through varied levels of <laughs> motivation. Misery. <over> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know how it goes. <laughs> Can't imagine waking up, like, at a checkpoint after not enough sleep, nowhere near enough sleep, and it's windy and wet and dark yeah. outside and you're like gotta go <laughs> I've got to go <laughs> <Off> I go <laughs> oh. how much of this year has been spent like fretting over and kit testing like are you 
Have you been, I, did I see somewhere someone had a picture of it? All your, your, your gloves were laid out yeah, on that article I read. I've got loads of gloves. Yeah. Yeah, because, <laughs> because I suffer really from really bad circulation. Okay, do your hands go so white? My hands and my feet. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll go out for a, a fell and I'll, in the winter, I'll go in the shower afterwards and my feet are like, half of them are white, half of them are purple. Wow. Um, and yeah, I, I just know that if I don't look after my hands, then I'm out. Yeah. Um, Does that mean you'll be wearing serious like levels of base layers as well to keep your core warm? So. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I've got plenty of clothes. Um, I packed my, I did my first drop bag away the other day. So we get a twenty kilogram drop bag. Okay. That they transport from checkpoint to checkpoint for. And us. that's stuff that you spare stuff like yeah. So okay. our spare food, we've got all our spare clothes. So wow. if I come into Hebden Bridge, Hebden Hay, as it is at, um, you know middle of the night on on the first night yeah and i'm soaking wet then i'm gonna have dry clothes for the next section yeah you don't want to be setting off in wet clothes no you don't do you so you've got got all that (laughs) stuff you've got you know spare medical supplies stuff for your feet um, food because you have to have a certain number of calories for for each checkpoint that you need to set off with and yeah electrolytes which i'm really (laughs) using um yeah, so hell of an operation, isn't it? It oh, it really is. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's expensive um, to enter the race, but it's kind of. Do you mind me asking how much? Yeah, it's um, one thousand one hundred and ninety-five pounds. I suppose you got all that free accommodation. Oh, free accommodation. <laughs> Which I was finding really funny watching the doc because I was like, the sort of the, it's a lovely sort of picture of Britain, isn't it? We've got all uh-huh. these like old sports halls and like. We're in 2024, I thought we'd be like flying cars by now, but you're going to be like <laughs> going to these old like town halls and, you know, you saw all the coffee cups that yeah. you'd find in the charity shop and yeah, it's quite different, isn't it? But yeah, that's all thrown in, I suppose. It's all thrown in and I think that, yeah, so you, yeah, your mattress on the floor, I mean, you have to take your own, um, you know, sleeping bag and, and stuff, but apparently sometimes there are beds. Yeah. Sometimes there aren't. Then there's, you know, there's accommodation and food provided at checkpoints. I think more than that, though, it's the 24-hour tracking. You know, yeah. you. I don't like paying for things I can do on my own, and I'm yeah. quite capable of and do a lot of stuff on my own. Yeah. With this setting off to do the Pennine Way on my own in winter would be a pretty stupid thing to do. It would, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. We so, can agree on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm there. I've, I've, this mandatory kit you know which is a pain to carry but you know it's like when I went off on my own for the first to Scarborough the whole time I knew if I couldn't go any further if I rolled my ankle here I could survive it for for long enough because I've got all this stuff with me um you know they're watching you that they know you know if, if anything's wrong they look after you they're um giving you apparently it's supposed to be so loving you know at those checkpoints everyone's you know hugging and you know just giving you encouragement I mean I know you'll know just how you know how good marshals are and and the longer the race gets the more sort of drained and 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 just low you get the more those marshals have have a spot in kind of lifting you up yeah like somebody said to me because I was feeling a little bit guilty because this is a massive outlay for me and I won't be one of those people who, who can do it every year yes you know other people go on a skiing holiday yes yeah. 
it's you know this is you're going to get so much more out of this than yeah. than you are kind of going on a skiing holiday so if that's what you want to spend your money on then go for it the kit i had a lot of kit anyway because i do a lot of expedition type stuff yeah everything else that i've had to buy it really does rack up <laughs> it's apart from perhaps socks which perhaps won't last longer than the spine yeah you know, I, I'm not going to have to buy anything for, I need to remind myself of this, I'm not going to have to buy anything for uh, a little while. Oh, yeah. I've got so much stuff now. You know, <laughs> got four wardrobes worth <laughs> of, like, winter, winter running wear. <laughs> it's all been the last few weeks, because I've had all my stuff, mainly all of my stuff, but then you keep reading through the spine Facebook and, like, getting all these advice. I mean, that little thing just in front of you, I've just bought oh, this little six light. quid. Yeah. So someone said, yeah, just, you know, if, if your head torch runs out in the middle of the night, yeah. make sure you've got something. And he'd um, recommended this little cat eye. Oh, wow. Right, isn't it? I know. And it flashes a lot. Okay. So that just goes onto the front of your pack. We've got yeah. to carry a red one on the back anyway. Okay. That's mandatory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so just you're... little things like that. Like, oh, I'll just buy one of those. And what? oh, maybe I should need this. <laughs> <laughs> you just, yeah, there's... Um, Amazon's been making a few deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, again, people won't be able to see. That's like a little bike light, isn't it? And you've got a red one on the back. So. Got a red one on the back that I've had for, yeah, for ages. Yeah. Um, as I say, that's that's mandatory. But yeah, this was just, I thought it was a good idea. Um, you know, and, and the moon is low for the first half of the week okay. as well. Um, so if your head torch goes off and it's pitch black out there and your phone's goodness knows where and wrapped up because you know you get the phones freeze as well that's a yeah, problem yeah. and um it's another bit of advice somebody gave um because his phone froze uh-huh. and the phone's a piece of mandatory kit so yeah. he couldn't continue because his phone wasn't working oh, no. and um, they do everything they can to keep you in the race yeah. know, they know like it's not just the financial expenses it's all yeah. the preparation yeah. the emotional like and the, the, the time it's taken away from family and stuff um, they do everything they can to keep you, and they run around. They found the phone for him to take yeah. with him, so he could continue. But it's things like that, like oh, I need to buy a cover for my phone now yeah. because um, obviously it's been really mild recently. That if yeah. you've seen the forecast, it's getting really cold. It's oh. getting spiny, as I call it. <laughs> and uh, last year it was absolutely freezing. I think it got yeah. down to minus seventeen wow. of the nights in the Chivia. Maybe wow. it was definitely around there. Okay. Um, so that's definitely phone freezing weather. Yeah. So it's things like that, like I, you know, get like a neoprene case for my phone and have it tucked away. Is that like a? Would you do carrying a smartphone, or have you got like a little old like Nokia or J? I think I've seen like JCB phones that are like, yeah, you can drop this from two hundred feet. And I haven't got one of those. But <laughs> I um, so yeah, I've got I've got an iPhone. Okay. Um, I was in, yeah, I was interested. Yeah, whether they. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, it's fine. I'd be, I was interested whether they want you to have something that was. Oh, if it's or, mandatory. Yeah, if it's mandatory or, or whether actually maybe a smartphone is more reliable or, or like getting yourself a yeah a brick kind of phone. Yeah, I, I checked that the other day actually yeah. um, to see what sort of phone was mandatory and it just has to be you know a working phone that can yeah. receive and make calls because um, I'm taking my iPhone yeah. and I have got a cover for it. Um, but actually I told you I was on call today yeah <laughs> and uh, as part of my on call package I have a little Nokia burner phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've just I've charged that up and mm. um, um, worked don't know about it I'm sure they won't mind anyway I've just put that as a as can a spare <laughs> I'm sure they won't mind yeah yeah <laughs> I can take that as a spare yeah it's um, a good idea so um, yeah if anything does happen then um, I'll have a working phone and I'll be able to continue 
you've um I'm and pleased I'm speaking to see <laughs> I was gonna say it's nice speaking to someone a week before a race like this and you sounding as well prepared as you are. It'd be really awful to be sat here interviewing you and I was like does Jenny have a clue what she's in for <laughs> next week? <laughs> you've listened to podcasts, you've been on some adventures, you know what I mean? You really, like, you must have really invested a lot of your, like, your, your thinking time over the last, what would you say, six months, a year on this? It was a year last October that I, I thought that yeah. this, the seed was planted. I was looking for something epic to do for my 50th. Okay. And um, started having a look. And I came up on the spine, which of course I'd heard of before, but the spine and me doing it had never yeah. really aligned before. Yeah. But actually, um, my birthday's in January. My birthday will be on Spine Friday. <laughs> The night before the race, or a week into the race? Into. <laughs> so, um, and then, so I looked at it and I thought, I can't do that. On your birthday? And then I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can do that. So, you so I'd started planning yeah. and realised that, actually, maybe I can do this. And then I got it in my head and thought, oh my God, I've got to do this. <laughs> but I'm only 49 next year, not 50. I couldn't wait. <laughs> So, um, yeah, if anyone's got any ideas for... Uh, 50th in <laughs> January. January, <laughs> January 2025, um, yeah, answers on a postcard. <laughs> Will your kids travel up to wish you a happy birthday on Friday? Um, <laughs> they're teenagers. <laughs> I like what you're doing, Mum. <laughs> they're vaguely aware that I'm doing something. Uh, what did I say to... Um, my youngest is 14, and... Um, I'm being a little bit protective now about mm. not getting ill and they're of course yeah. mixing with a lot of people and I'm not and yeah. um, my, my daughter had come over she was quite quiet so do you mind just moved away a little bit she, I said look you don't want to have to go through all this spine 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 for another year and she said well it's not like I'm listening anyway <laughs> I thought yeah fair enough <laughs> I bet they dot watch when it all kicks <laughs> off and then they'll get hooked and you might yeah. even they might be doing it in... I bet they don't <laughs> I bet they don't <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, have I got any more questions for you on the spine? I think you've given us a very nice like, overlay of it. What about Slovenia this summer then? What were you doing out there? Because I, I was lucky enough to visit for a week myself. Where do you go? I hiked up Triglav, which I thought was ah. just beautiful and loved it. You had good weather for it? Oh, I was really lucky. I was a bit naughty as well. I am. I, um, I bivied in a national park and not <gasps> supposed to. Oh, in the busiest area as well. It was great. I know. Yeah. I just kind of did a little swift one, just ran off the, off the path and like yeah. hid. Because um, I've been trying to book a mountain hut uh-huh. and um, yeah, <coughs> I couldn't do it online. I tried calling, they weren't picking up the phone. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, I'm here once. I'd be damned if I missed yeah. out. But by the time I got myself into gear and got hiking, it was sort of late afternoon. So right. yeah, I just what risked month? it. Uh, that would have been September. Okay, so the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Because you can get fined quite heavily, can't you? Yeah. Hopefully not like, after, you know, they don't chase you down for a podcast or something. Totally. <laughs> going back next year. Sometime. This year, going back this year. Are you? Yeah. So I'm doing the, uh, the Slovenian mountain trail. Have you heard of it? No. 
it's a, a ugh, how many miles? Three hundred and sixteen miles. Okay. I think. Yeah. It's fairly long. Yeah. Um, I did one hundred and seventy miles last year. Okay. Um, Prepping yourself to to work one day do the whole thing. No, so I am doing the whole thing, but just in sections because I only get so much time off my kids. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So I did the start of the trail. Ah, okay. Yeah, and um, in fact, I've left my when I say my climbing gear, harness and uh, vid for articulate. Yeah. Helmet and that in the hut at the base of Triglav. Oh, maybe. Because Triglav is my next section. All right. So I've got six days trekking in July this year. So yeah, when I get there, I'll be straight up Triglav and then uh, oh, wicked. another few peaks. And then the following year, I should finish it. Yeah. Um, but the, the last section is, is a bit more, um, a bit less mountainous. Okay. So this next section will be my most mountainous, but the first section was it was insane. It was, I mean, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God, it's beautiful. I loved it there. Um, it's very outdoorsy, isn't it? Slovenia, mm-hmm. like everything's set up yeah. for being outdoors. Um, the, everything's so clean. Yeah. And it's not expensive. No. Um, but yeah, I was in the Kamnik Alps. Um, so it's the Julian Alps, isn't it? Where Trinidad uh-huh. is. I was in the yeah. Kamnik Alps, and I think the um, the mountain infrastructure perhaps isn't as well set up. Okay. So yeah. the um, Virferata was sort of patchy in places, so it'd be there, and then it wasn't there. So you've got some Ooh. cable for a little while, uh, which was duct taped in some areas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds really short, doesn't and it? And then you've got like pegs and rungs, and then nothing. So like you plastered to the side of this mountain, limestone. So the limestone, I think, on Triglav is quite smooth, isn't it? Because it's so well used, was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. I didn't think, like, I wasn't clipped in for Triglav. Yeah. I actually found it quite, like, there was a little bit of exposure, but not much. Did I guess, was it smooth? I'm trying to remember now. I yeah. think it's probably likely to be quite polished. Yeah. Off on Triglav, just because, because it's so, so many people. popular. Yeah. But, like, in the Kamnik Alps, nothing was polished, so everything just kept breaking off. So you'd be, like, right. to the side of a mountain. I wasn't clipped in most of the time, because yeah. the sections were maybe four or five metres longer than they yeah. were there anymore. Yeah. So I'd be, you know, 2,000 feet and nothing behind me and a thunderstorm rumbling in the background. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I remember saying to myself, yeah, you don't need to push it further than this, Jenny. This is enough. This is enough for you. Yeah. And there was so much snow because I went in, um, I went at the end of June. I went in June. I can't remember exactly when. Oh, I went in the end of June, beginning of July, that's it. And they'd had a very cold June, whereas yeah. we'd had a massively hot June. Yeah. So I'm taking any snow gear with me, no crampons or anything, yeah. ice axe or anything. And um, luckily I had properly, proper mountaineering boots on, but I had to keep crossing um, snow fields. Uh-huh. Um, so the snow fields would be really steep like this. Yeah. And I was crossing like maybe 10 metres, like just hollowing holes and yeah. using my pole to support me. But had I gone, I'd, that would, I'd have gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going back next July and I'm going to take everything with me. Brilliant. Yeah, and hopefully they, they don't use duct tape in the Julian Alps. So. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. Yeah, it's oh, so lovely. Yeah. So you've got that trip. You're on the lookout for some more multi-day ultra races. Low-key, non-commercial yeah. that I don't need to fly to. Lovely, okay. Yeah. And you've had a pretty good... 
build up year for the spine of the mm-hmm. Thousman. The Ring of Steel, wasn't it? If I got Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. Yeah. I, okay, so maybe it's the Ring of Steel that you could have a look at. Oh, uh, Scotland. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, that's the one Lisa Watson had done, I think. Right, she's done a lot. She has done a lot. Yeah, she Dragon's Back. She's a good person back, to have a um, Northern Traverse, she won Miniature yeah. Dragon's Back, she won twice, I think. Yeah, I think I'm right with that. Okay. Right. I want the Ring of Fire, I think. Darren M. Finn had done that and written about it in The Rise of the Ultra Runners. It's because I read that book, I love that book. Yeah. Um, I don't read a lot actually, but I, um, I, I couldn't put that book down. That's good, yeah. And I read about The Ring of Fire and now I'm like, that's I'll what I'm going to do next. Okay. So I booked straight onto it. It's oh, brilliant. one of the best weekends of my life. It's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Okay. Yeah, highly recommended. Brilliant. So that's all gone well. I really hope this spine adventure goes well for you. Thank you. Your fundraising for it. Do you want to give that a little plug? Yeah, brilliant. So um, <laughs> thank you for reminding me. <laughs> so it, it's quite funny actually because the spine's massive, isn't it? It's quite a lot to take on. And then when I decided to fundraise with the University of Sheffield um, earlier on in this year, didn't quite realise that taking on fundraising is actually quite a big thing it's as hard well. Hard work, isn't it? It's really yeah. hard work. Yeah. So. Um, it's really taking off at the moment. Um, so what I'm fundraising for is to support students from low-income backgrounds mm-hmm. to come to university. So obviously the cost of living at the moment, it's just, you know, the, the, the gap is widening. You know, students are coming, they're having to work jobs, some of them are having to commute because they can't afford to live in university accommodation. So the whole university experience, instead of, you know, social and sports and, yeah. and studies kind of all combined is, is now like working one or two jobs, studying yeah. when you can, you know, being constantly stressed and tired. Um, you know, students, a lot of students don't have financial support from their families. Yeah. So my fundraising is to help some students, um, to, well, the scholarship gives them a little bit extra. So this is outside of their fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so the scholarships come from people like myself, community fundraisers and alumni donations. Uh, so the more you know, more of that kind of things happening, the more students we can support. So I think for this academic year, out of eight hundred applications, we were only able to give about three hundred and fifty scholarships. Yeah. Uh, so it's all about adding adding to that and just hoping that you know I can help some some students come and, and fulfil their dreams at, at university and then go on to. To contribute to wider society as well so yeah so people can see um so i've got a fundraising page which I can is link that. sorry i can put a link to that yeah no that'd be brilliant but if okay. you spell it out as well yeah it's some... essentially <laughs> sheffield.ac.uk forward slash giving forward slash spine uh-huh. and that'll take you to my page okay. and uh, yeah it'd be brilliant to, to have um, people's support with that as well yeah uh, thank you and are they <laughs> i always think it's funny because i Times I've fundraised was once was to do a marathon in Kenya, mm-hmm. and I needed to hit a certain amount to be able to do the marathon. And then another time I fundraised for a hospice and ran London Marathon, and that one, that was just let's raise as much as we can. And I think people would have, as long as I was on the start line, that was that was it. If you can rock up, yeah. we're behind that. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Mar- the Kenya one was tricky because it was like, well, I have to hit this target. Yeah. And that was really stressful. But is yours, you've obviously, your, the spine is 
you in a way, and then the fundraising is on top. You're saying, can you can you sponsor me to? And are you promising them to get to the end, or are you? <laughs> <laughs> so when I first met um, the the guy at, at university, I suggested this, and and um, he had actually heard of the spine, and he was like excited from the yeah, beginning. Absolutely. Um, and and I did say about this. I said that I am worried that if I take this on, what happens if? I, you know, slip and break my yeah. leg at the bottom of Jacob's ladder, or you know, yeah. what helps if you know I get COVID and don't even get to the start. And he did say, you know, it's normal to feel like that, and actually, yeah. people, you know, invest in you and invest in the cause, and it doesn't matter if you don't finish. Um, <laughs> but obviously, yeah, I do feel the pressure. Yeah. But I think that's going to help in a way. While I'm out there being the best that I can be, <laughs> um, you know, when when I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning, going out into the wind and snow. Oh, hope. It's that little extra, you know, people need me to finish, people are supporting, um, people are giving money for this brilliant cause, I need to make them proud, I want to make myself proud. Yeah. And like doing these ultras, having these great big challenges, you've got to know why you're doing it, you've got to remind yourself. Yeah. Why? And and, and I know why, because I can always visualise the end, I can always visualise how I'm going to feel when I... When I get there, but to have that extra, how is everyone else going to feel about yeah. seeing you? Because it's not just me and, and, and my mum going, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. It's like the whole of the university and everyone yeah. else who's supported yeah. me um, will be seeing me either fail <laughs> or succeed. And I'd much rather them see me succeed. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, then the, the pressure's on, but. It feels good. Like a good, yeah. It doesn't feel like that. Much. More like a pat on the back than a... And support. At the yeah. moment, it's support, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't... So I was talking... Uh, we talked about David before. We didn't really David Brocken, but... Um, yeah. We talked a little bit about failure. And I don't know how that would feel. Mm. I've never had to deal with... I have, yeah. It's not that I've never failed anything in my life, certainly. No. But like a DNF, yeah, not suffered a DNF before. And the bigger the challenges get, the more likely the they DNF are. is. But yeah, that's true. what makes it a challenge, isn't it? So yeah. if that happens, I'll deal with it. For now, like if I get to the start line next Sunday week on Sunday, I'm gonna be so grateful for actually just being on that start line. Yeah, I'm that's be so grateful. And then it's just like I've done all the prep, I've got all the kit, got the support, off we go. This I hope you've I got do. a lift out to Edale. I have got a lift out to Edale. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got lots of offers of lifts out to Edale as well. It's brilliant. People Good. are just being brilliant. Not relying on the train. I'm, at the, I'm not going on the train. I was going on the train. And somebody was selling a, um, what do you call it, a, um, a place at the YHA in Edale. They oh, weren't yeah. even selling it, they were giving it away. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm now at the, uh, I've got my kit check on Saturday afternoon. Lovely. I'm staying at YHA Edale. Yeah. And they give us breakfast at 5.30 and they put a shuttle bus on. Oh. No, it's luxury. It's yeah. like I'm not even making an effort. So uh, it's going to be easy. That would be a great breakfast. I know. Let's breakfast, go. Don't want to eat too much. Don't really? Wanna, don't want to have a repeat of the Feldsman. <laughs> don't want to be feeling sick for 268 miles. I think I'll be having a full English. <laughs> <laughs> Get myself mentally ready. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe that's a nice note to end on the spine talk. Uh, a question I ask everybody is, 
if, if the spine is starting and you've got a little bit of walkout music, is there anything that you'd like to walk out to, like the boxers do before their big bouts? Oh my god, there I is one on the too, but nobody will have heard of it, or maybe. Maybe they will. If, I guess it's if you know, you know. And this would be. So I, I'm a little bit into house music. I okay. never left 1992. <laughs> um, yeah, so it would be Gap Decor, Passion, The Naked Mix. Okay. Amazing baseline. Um, right. That's what I'm going out to. Brilliant. Yeah. Good. And do you have. I mean, feel a bit unfair now if you've only been into fell running for three or four years, but do you have any fell running heroes, any fell running legends that you'd go for dinner with if uh, you were offered the opportunity? I don't know. Who's inspired you? Anybody? Oh, so many. I mean, obviously there's there's Nikki, Nikki Spinks and, and Jasmine and Paris. And, yeah. I mean, they're, they're incredible. I'd, do you know what? No one's picked either of them yet, so you could, really? you could have them both if you want. Yeah, well, you know, maybe the three of us could just go out and, and have a few drinks together. I mean, Nikki's running this year. Yeah. It's a, a spine debut. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully bump into her. We did actually camp together at, I mean, she won't have a clue where I am. Um, we, I did um, Saunders yeah. uh, Mountain Marathon a few years uh-huh. ago, and she came and pitched up next to me, got a selfie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Had a real uh, fangirl moment. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe we can have another selfie. Um, but, yeah, that would be really cool to, to, to talk to them um, just about how, how they keep going. Yeah. yeah. There's so many. I mean, this, the thing is about those amazing people, they're kind of superhuman, aren't they? And I'll, it's almost more interesting to talk to the normal people who yeah. are having the same struggles and I'm not saying that Nikki and that Jasmine normal? don't struggle <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not in the same way that we do so mm. just that's another thing about these long races isn't it it's just the people you meet and the conversations you have Yeah. because you're so emotional and everything's so raw you, it all comes out Yeah. you get to know people like so intensely for a short period Just of like time. podcasting, I imagine. And then, <laughs> yes. But then, you know, you never see them again. You share yeah. these incredible stories and then you never see them again. Well, I'll be watching your dot. <laughs> and I hope you are the best dot that you can be. be. Yes, I will be. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jenny, for coming on. I think that's going to inspire a lot of people. And I think a lot of people will be wishing you luck. <laughs> thank you, Charlie. Uh, pleasure. So I'll uh, put links up to... Um, Jenny's fundraiser thought that was a great interview Um, it's always nice meeting these people and hearing what makes them tick hope uh, you got a bit of that insight I got a real sense that Jenny enjoys what she's doing does it for the right reasons and I think that should carry her along nicely um, at the spine race she's not the only one doing the spine we have a totly member is also having a crack. My name is Richard and I'm a Spinaholic. I've been a Spinaholic since 2008 when I first walked the Penang Way over a three-week period. We stayed in pubs, stopped for picnics and had a pretty jolly time in the late summer sunshine. It's got to be said, at the end of each 15 to 20 mile day of hiking, I was knackered. Fast forward to 2011 and the inaugural Spine Race took place. It wasn't until 2014 when I first heard about the non-stop race across the 268 miles of the Pennines. 
when I heard about it. I'd just completed my first ultramarathon, the 32-mile round rip and run. Whiz forward to 2019, when the astonishing Jasmine Paris won the spine race, breaking the course record, a record that still stands, of just 83 hours to run the 268 miles over rough and mountainous terrain in the January murk. I was inspired. I picked up my phone, a few clicks, and I'd entered the 2019 Summer Spine Challenger, the Easy Spine, just 108 miles of the Pennine Way from Edale to Hawes in the summer sunshine. Well, my first summer spine left me exhausted, but I also had an incredible sense of invincibility. It was such an amazing sense of achievement. The summer conditions had been testing. Gale force winds closed the route over Penny Ghent just after I had climbed the 694 metre peak in driving rain with 60 mile per hour winds shrouding the peak in the pitch black of midnight. So much for the summer sunshine. I loved so much about that first experience, the camaraderie amongst competitors, the amazing volunteers treating every runner like an elite athlete, the problem solving en route, and the incredible sense of adventure. I was hooked, I wanted more, and my eyes were set on the possibility of one day competing the full winter spine. In 2020, the summer events were canceled due to COVID, but in 2021, I gathered my courage and entered the full summer spine. In June 2021, I completed an incredible adventure covering the whole 268 mile course in six days. I made lifelong friends en route. My feet were caned, legs battered, and the sleep monsters had introduced me to hallucinations. At one point, I could see groups of people on hills overlooking the course, waving flags and cheering me. It was sadly just rocks that deceived my exhausted mind into a delusional state. The following summer, I was back for another summer challenger and an opportunity to see all friends again and savour the spine adventure. Last winter, I decided the January Pennines were just too tempting. The alarm rang on a cold Saturday morning and I was raring to go at Edale. The challenger again, but this time with 16 hours of darkness guaranteed. Snow and rain promised and those 108 miles just waiting to be conquered. My spine addiction continued into the summer of 2023. I signed up and completed the 160 mile Challenger North from Hawes to Kirkyetham. Again, an ordeal with bags of type two fun. But again, the brilliant spine community of volunteers and competitors. This was my fifth spine finish. But guess what? 13th of January, 2024, will see me on the start line of the Spine Challenger South again. And later this month, I'll be at the ready for my entry into the full winter spine for the 2025 edition. I hope. At least I think I hope. Thank you, Richard, and good luck on your continuing spine adventure. Good luck to Jenny. There are others out there, and a friend of the podcast and completer of the Spine Challenger South, Rob Greenwood, is going to pop on and give us an insight to this year's race. The Spine Race is coming up and it looks to be a dot watcher's delight. Both the men's and the women's have got an absolutely stacked field and I thought as an on the back foot special, we would run through a few. Now for opening caveats, 
I've had a look through the roster and if I've missed out on any names, apologies to the individuals involved. Secondary apologies go to any factual inaccuracies throughout. I'm doing this in my lunch break. So in the women's race, we have Anna Troop, strong contender, former winner of the spine race in summer and owner of the Pennine Way FKT. Are we allowed to say FKT on a fell running podcast? Is that a thing? Do we say record? Maybe that's one for another day. Next up, Elaine Bisson. Elaine has come second in the spine race and is definitely gunning for that podium position. Uh, she's definitely got long-term calibre in these sorts of sufferfests. She's come second in the Northern Traverse uh, in 2022 and she must be pretty keen to get that top spot. Um, Nikki Spinks, though, is another name which requires no introduction, really. She's done everything and then when she's done it, she's gone and done it again back-to-back -back, like she did with the Bob Graham, Paddy Buckley and the Ramsey Round. She is an absolute Stam Lord, Lord of the Stamina, and if anyone can suffer, it's Nikki Spinks. Uh, another two options in the women, Sophie Littlefair. Um, she set the Scottish Na National Trail FKT last year, and I bumped into her whilst we are on our way up to Fairfield Horseshoe. Uh, she describes herself as a stubborn plodder, and I think that's the sort of characteristics that we're after. And finally, in the women's race, Nikki Summers, who is a friend of mine based in North Wales. Nikki's completed it the once, and whilst I know she's had a tough year leading up into it, she is an absolute machine. And if anyone's going to crank on through, it's Nikki. And in these races, it is not always about who is going to go fastest. I've absolutely no doubt that Anna Troop, you know, on paper is is the sort of, you know, the fastest here, but. When it comes to endurance, you cannot write off people like Nikki, Elaine, Nikki Spinks. These are the people who are just going to carry on going in the worst weather imaginable. In the men's race, this is this is a ridiculously long list. And there is, if I have a prediction for what is going to happen here, it's that many of the names I am just going to read out are going to get way too excited way too soon and we're going to see quite a few dropouts, much as we have in previous years where the likes of Damien Hall and Kim Collison have essentially raced each other for the first 24 hours and then kind of crashed and burned. But um, yeah, top of that list is Damien Hall. Uh, he won it last year and he's got to be one of the favourites coming in. Uh, Kim Collison hasn't quite managed to put it all together. He's, he's had a couple of years now where he's where he's put in a good effort, but something has gone wrong, whether it be like nutrition or something else. But when he does put it together, it is obviously going to be flipping amazing because he's a Lakeland 24-hour, you know, record legend. And um, more importantly, he beat my mate Josh in the Roaches race. So, you know, high praise indeed. Uh, James Nobles is entering and he won the Dragons back last year. Um, Again, I mean, you know, he's obviously really good at jogging. It's, you know, he's, he's got to be, a, you know, a strong candidate. But then the same could also be said as Jack Scott, who came close to Damien last year. Um, Jack basically gained on Damien. Damien had a really strong start and then Jack had a really strong finish. And it will be very interesting to see whether those 
roles are reversed if Jack's going to start a little bit quicker. Um, again, it's so hard to call because this is like a multi-day race. Whoever's at the lead at day one, two, doesn't really matter because then you know by the fact time that day three or however many days they take to do these things. Ian Keith, who's the next name I was going to suggest, is is there still going at the same pace throughout, just slowly and steadily, and he's won the race several times as a result of this. Uh, next up in the men's, Simon Roberts. So again, he's a former Dragons back winner, Spine Challenger North winner, and he won the Cheviot Goat back in December this year. He's had a bit of time out with injury, but he will be really interesting to watch and see if he's coming back stronger than he was previously, uh, which was pretty strong. Uh, John Kelly has come over, especially from the States. And I mean, John's, you know, again, he's a previous Spine Race winner. I mean, how or why these people keep coming back for more is beyond me. Um, but um, that seems to be the way of it. It ensnares you. Um, Eugenio Rossello Sol, he is 20. He was the winner back in 2020, sorry, 2013. And uh, he's entered a whole bunch of other years. And he seems to go big and occasionally get lost and occasionally uh, blow up. And that's just the nature of the race. <laughs> and yeah, next up is Pavel Polonsky. So he's won the spine three times. And my money would in this be on, I, I'd be really cool to see Damien, Kim, John, Jack, potentially James Noble's just cranking it out, along with maybe Simon there. Um, the final name I was just going to bring up is Conrad Rowling, um, the other half of uh, Jasmine Paris. Uh, be cool just to see you know him doing it because from a fell running perspective he's done a hell of a lot and the spine really blurs a lot of these lines on what is the difference between fell running ultra running trail running and kind of an element of like winter mountaineering thrown into the mix um but anyway that's my that's my hot hot take on what may or may not occur um happy dot watching well, there you go. That's the spine. It's coming up this weekend. I hope you've enjoyed our little sideways look at it. I'm really starting to get some regular contributions from people now. And um, it looks like Bobby Guard Stories back with a race report from earlier this month. Hello, it's your roving reporter, Bobby here. And I'm sat in the Morrison's car park in Penrith. I thought I'd give you a quick rundown of the... The diet of a, uh, a second-place finisher at the uh, New Year's Day's Premier Fell Race, which is, of course, uh, the Nine Standards Fell Race in Kirby Stephen. I started the day with a... Well, I had a sort of double breakfast. I had a, a bagel with Marmite and peanut butter on. Um, I neither love nor hate Marmite. I just quite like it. Um, and I refuse to buy into their marketing scheme um bagel was good bowl of cereal alongside it because um quite partial to my cereal i have a mix of bran flakes and muesli in there um and this is you know this is the the perfect but not a cup of tea obviously it's the perfect breakfast prior to a fell race um the race itself well fair play to the organizers it's organized with the mountain rescue kirby Stephen mountain rescue and they do a good job, and it's good crack, but I have never done a race with so much road in it. 
it was uh, it was probably about half on the road because you go out the village and you're up and I mean granted all right it's quite a steep road so we'll give them that but you're on it for a while and then you get to a track which is a slight improvement and then you get towards the top there then you're on the fell and it's squishy underfoot and it's happy days and you go up and down there and then you you reverse the same way uh and I set off with some with some ambition uh, with this lad from his vested Swaledale on it, uh, and he just he just moved like a roadrunner. He just looked very he looked very comfortable, um, and that was quite disconcerting to me. I mean, he was wearing fell shoes, so we'll we'll assume he does at least do some fell running. Maybe he's a listener. Who knows? Anyway, he was setting off a hell of a clip, but I thought, well, if I don't go with him now, then uh, I'm already giving up, aren't I? So I just tailed him for basically the whole road section about two miles up the road and I was quite pleased with myself really because I did manage to, I was right behind him for for that stretch and just as we're getting towards the top I thought maybe when we get on the fell he'll uh he won't know what he's doing but uh no he was absolutely fine with that so by the time we got to the top he had a he had a few second lead now on the descent I was I was closing in on him I was slowly but surely but I mean I didn't have long before we were back on the bloody road again and then he and then he sort of pulled away, and uh, and I never saw him again until the end. So second place, I mean, you know, it's a nice way to start the year. Can't argue with that. But it wasn't that close. I I guess he was probably about a minute ahead over uh, eight mile. So he's done well, that lad. Uh, and I'm very sorry that off the top of my head I can't remember his name, but he had a green Swaledale vest on. If he's not from Cumbria, I won't know him. So that's the end of that. We did have some. Uh, we did. I came across uh, Nick Barber from featured on the pod before. Uh, I believe as I was coming down the fell, he shouted at me, "You're going to be beaten by somebody with arm warmers on." This lad had you know, those. You know that like sleeve was that sleeves without a top, the sort of arm warmers. He was wearing them. And I mean, Nick had a good point there. I was going to be beaten by someone with arms, and, and I was. So that'll be that'll be what I'll be investing in next, because um, obviously it works. Uh, also, bumped into Ryan Krillin of CFR, avid podcast listener, who said to me that he was going to shout at me, "What are you munching?" But I mean, he he chickened out and he didn't he didn't do it, or maybe he was just out of puff and he he couldn't summon the breath. But a very nice fella who I didn't really know before properly. Uh, so there you go, podcast bringing bringing people together. Um, and he has a race, Latabara Loop, West Cumbria. I really should have uh, looked up the date for that so i could tell you to it now but uh, i didn't so i can't uh, but everyone should go and do that race because he's a he's a nice lad and um, i'm sure it's a cracking little race out there it is a bit of a drive around to west cumbria but you know it's a good spot sort of um and uh, yeah and the prize giving i mean the prize giving could only be described as raucous really there was whooping uh, there were about a thousand uh, spot prizes for 180 runners um if if someone didn't go home with a box of chocolates they've absolutely um they've been done there and i won for me for my troubles i won a hat a dynafit cap 
I slightly panicked when I got up to the uh, the prize table because I didn't know what to grab. So I grabbed this hat. I thought, oh, yes, a cap, that'll do. Um, because my girlfriend really likes my running cap. So if we ever go out in the summer, she takes my cap and I've got now. So now I've got a Dynafit cap. But the problem with it is that I didn't notice before I took it is um, under the brim, it says on it, no pain, no gain. So I probably won't ever wear that hat. Um, if anybody would like it, please please contact Charlie and I will see about posting it to you. Um, what else? Uh, I gave a lift to the race to David Lund of the um, of artistic fame in the following community. And we had a nice chat. Um, and David recently drew me, myself and I a rather dashing portrait so I purchased that off him to keep the man, you know, the man's got bills to pay and the least we can do is buy his uh, his great artwork um, so yeah good day out um, I'll be honest with you, it's not in my top 10 it may not be in my top 50 um, but really, when it comes down to it the route is a sort of side issue, and whether I enjoy a race or not is mostly to do with the uh, the circumstances, the setting, the organising, and the style in which it's organised. And on that score, it was a proper fell race. All right, fine. Didn't have entry on the day, so that's a, that's a strong minus point from my point of view. But apart from that, in aid of the mountain rescue, um, no faffing really, low-key good crack and uh the little end of the race there you come back into the you go across a bridge you're back into the village and you run through these little ginnels and little little alleyways and up some steps and stuff and it's like a little maze it's great so uh definitely gained me some uh it gained some points in my book for that finish uh that's seven minutes of rambling that is just that that report took way too long i'm sorry uh i should probably reconsider make it more concise and uh, record it again but i won't actually no i'm going to carry on so yeah food food wise uh, there was soup at the end soup is not a running food um naff all calories in it i guess it's warm so that's nice at the end of the race but uh, i was really only given half a cup of soup and um that's not eight miles worth of food that I didn't eat anything on, on the run itself. If I was to eat something on a short race, this is the uh, Munching on the Moors. You can play the Munching on the Moors jingle now because we're entering the Munching on the Moors segment. I would eat Jelly Babies. That's that's the one and only. My favourite sweet of all time, probably licorice all sorts. But then that that's not for running because they, they have too much bite and you don't want to have to exercise your jaw when everything else on your body is already a bit tired, your legs are tired, you're you're sweating away, you don't want to have to chew hard as well. So, uh, licorice all sorts are out. Jelly Babies is the perfect consistency, the perfect size. The powderiness, somehow, it's like a little sweat barrier between you and the sweet. So if you've got a bit of a damp hand, uh, you can you can munch away on them without fear of getting sticky hands because you've got a little powdery barrier. So there's nothing not to recommend about Jelly Baby for running. And with that, 
uh, I'm done. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Bobby. Some lovely stuff in that. I'm sure you all enjoyed hearing about a race that, <laughs> let's try not to offend the organisers, um, wasn't even in Bobby's top 10 uh, or even 50 fell races, did he say? But yep, an entertaining report, that was for sure. Jacob Tonkin. It is a gorgeous day here in Derbyshire. The sun is low in the sky, lighting up the hills. And I was wondering, as a fine uh, teacher of Cumbrian, if you could tell anything to us, your audience, about the weather with your Cumbrian dialect. How's it going, Charles? Um... I was in bad fettle at the moment as I was going to allow a bit of a call. That's why I sound a bit ridiculous when I'm talking. Um, terms for the weather, we'd, if it's a bad day or it's raining quite heavy, we'd say, oh, it's, it's hossing it down. Uh, hossing, another word for raining. Um, if it was a really nice day, You'd be inclined to say, oh, it's a, it's a gay day, it's a barry day. Barry being the Cumbrian word for, for good. Um, if you were, I don't, did I say the one about the swimming that time? If you were trying to find a nice place to go swimming, you'd say, as it's going away yonder to find myself a barry lyle duking spot. Which means I'm going over there to find a nice place to swim. So in the Queen's English, you would say, I'm going over there to find myself a rather pleasant place to swim. In Cumbrian, it is as gan awa yonder to fin misel a bari lal dukin spot. As gan awa yonder to fin misel Oh, bollocks. Right, we'll try this again. So it's like one of these then. Learning language books. Okay, get ready. As gan our yonder to fin me sell. Oh, I can't remember the <laughs> a Barry Lal Dukin spot. As gan our yonder to fin me sell. Uh, oh, as something Dukin spot. Oh, Jacob, I've got no chance, but I have written you. A jingle. Jacob's talking Cumbrian. I can't hear a word he said. Only the echoes of my mind. People stop and stare at. I can see their faces, only the shadows of their eyes. I'm going where the sun keeps shining through the pouring rain. Going where the weather soaks me through. Banking off of the northeast winds. Sailing on a summer breeze And skipping over the fells 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Jacob's talking Cumbrian. and I cannot hear a word they're saying. Only echoes of my mind. Folk stop and go up. I cannot see mush. All these shadows of their eyes. <laughs>